For most of our nation's history, America has been known as having a Christian culture. We've been a redemptive nation, upholding moral standards, standards that have mostly aligned with the biblical worldview. And we knew that, ultimately, moral right and wrong was for God to determine, the God we see in the Bible. Today, however, we're raising kids in a culture that's increasingly antagonistic to God and His Word. So as Christian parents, we have to be more intentional about raising our kids with a biblical worldview. Well, today we'll find out what this entails. Nicole Hunt with Focus on the Family joins us next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm so happy you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. Trace is also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. And I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God, and so you won't need a residential facility down the road. And that's what we're doing today. Trace, we know that at Shepherd's Hill Academy, a biblical worldview is preeminent to bringing healing and life transformations to the lives of not just the kids that we serve at Shepherd's Hill, but to everyone in their sphere. Why is having a biblical worldview so important? Well, first, I think it's important to understand that the family is the first and most fundamental form of government. Uh, When that gets out of whack, everything else starts to crumble, including culture. Hmm. From there, the declension of culture just, you know, tends to snowball downhill. It's sort of like a a kid sledding down a mountainside, uh, but off the designated path. You know, for a time, he's, he's having a blast, veering off old familiar paths. That is until, you know, he flies off the mountainside and crashes off a cliff into the jagged rocks below. Ouch. Those designated paths are supposed to protect him. As I see it, that's right where our American culture is today. I mean, everyone's doing what's right in their own mm. eyes, and too often this includes our kids. And why wouldn't it? Uh, when virtually everyone in today's pop culture is telling our kids that, you know, there's nothing morally out of bounds anymore. Since the 60s, our cultural mantra has been truth is relative. If it feels good, do it. There are no absolute standards of moral right and wrong. Truth is what's true to me. Follow your own heart, and I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. And probably every kid says that that comes to Shepherd's Hill. But, you know, Trace, none of that sounds like a biblical worldview. But here's my question is, where is dying to self or a servant's attitude in any of that? Well, it's virtually vanished. It's even in the church, it's kind of fizzling out. Uh, A postmodern worldview just feels so right to so many people these days in this touchy-feely world we live in. I mean, does a fish know he's wet? No, that's where he lives. Uh, a, A biblical worldview, dying to self and a servant's heart often requires, you know, putting our own desires on hold. Uh, this generation is uh, simply taking the, the postmodernism of the 1960s to its logical ends. Around here, we call it pushing the antithesis. You know, take any idea and push it to its logical end and see where it takes you. Uh, for instance, if 7 billion people on the planet were determined to define their own truth and do what only they wanted to do when they wanted to do it, well, the logical outworking of that idea or that worldview can only be chaos, Right. And that's exactly what we're seeing in America today. <laughs> yeah. And in too many families also. Well, I'll flip it around to the golden rule. 
what's the logical end of, you know, love your neighbor as yourself or do unto others as you'd have them do unto you? Well, I, when I ask that question to kids, I, I get that blank stare. But they're, they're honest. Uh, the peace, uh, love, uh, harmony, mm-hmm. bliss, you know, on and on it goes. So it's heaven on earth. It's everyone interested in, in serving anyone, basically. And speaking of mm-hmm. serving, I think it was that great theologian, mental health professional and philosopher, Bob Dylan, who once wrote, you're going to have to serve somebody. He said it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And And ultimately what he wrote was exactly right. I think it's congruent with the biblical worldview, whether Mr. Dylan knew it or not. And when someone thinks they've come up with a third option by saying, I don't serve or bow to anyone but myself. You've heard that one before, right? Mm -hmm. That person may not realize it, but when you're serving only yourself, you're actually serving Satan. Uh, Again, whether you realize it or not, because the essence of Satanism is meism. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That's Aleister Crowley's preeminent satanic mantra. And that's why he was dubbed the wickedest man in the world. Hmm. The reason it's so hard for kids to conclude that this selfish way of thinking is actually evil is because so many of their favorite entertainers, teachers now, therapists, politicians, media giants, and sadly, even some of their parents and pastors have fostered some of these same ideologies and worldviews. And it's, it all stems from those ex-hippies and their descendants who are now taking things to a whole new level. Again, what we're now experiencing in America is the logical outworking of the postmodern worldview that got birthed in the 1960s. So God is no longer in the equation among most of America's so-called intelligentsia today. So with all that said... Michelle, to answer your question, that's why biblical worldview is so vitally important. And to help us understand biblical worldview and some issues, our guest today is Nicole Hunt. Nicole is an attorney, and she's also a spokesperson for Focus on the Family. She writes and speaks on issues that affect us today, like religious freedom, parental rights, marriage, and gender. Nicole is married to Jeff, and they have four kids. Nicole, welcome to the Licensed to Parent broadcast. Thank you for having me. Well, like more and more people uh, today, uh, you certainly understand the impact that today's American culture has on kids. Uh, but it's impacting how most parents actually raise their kids, too. I mean, this, this includes Christian parents. Uh, what are some of the ways you see today's American culture influencing Christian parents in ways that Christian parents shouldn't be influenced? That's right. I think that's absolutely right. Your explanation of that difference between the worldview of the Bible and the worldview of the world in Mm -hmm. which we live um, is the major juxtaposition. I think as parents, we are tempted to make our kids feel that their happiness and their overall joy is being completely fulfilled and satisfied. But the truth is, is that when we teach them that, we're teaching them to believe that personal freedom, that their own happiness, and truly what that boils down to is selfishness, is what's most important. Whatever makes them happy is what they should pursue in life. And the truth is, is we know that if we pursued eating ice cream all day long, it's not going to lead to a good life. And the same is true for our children. We need to teach them that personal freedom is part of a factor that needs to be considered when you're thinking about your overall happiness in a lifetime. And sometimes that means doing things that are hard. No doubt about that. And I think it's, it's important for parents to remember that there are a lot of happy drunks out there. there are a lot of happy homeless people, pimps, perverts, and prostitutes that are you know, living in the streets. They're happy doing what they're doing. What they're not experiencing is, is the, the, the joy, particularly the joy of the Lord. 
uh, because happiness is contingent upon happenings and joy transcends that. You know, I've got a son buried here on Shepherd's Hill and I, I went to his funeral, never lost my joy. Wasn't happy, but never lost my joy. What counsel do you have for the parent who, who realizes some of the negative influences of the culture on their kids, but just, just doesn't have the moxie to do what it takes to mitigate some of those negative cultural influences at home? You know, I think it starts with our own personal behavior. So I would say to the parent who's trying to figure out how to really impact change for their kiddo is we've got to live it out in our own life. We've got to demonstrate the selflessness. We've got yeah, to demonstrate that we're doing what's good for our family as a whole, not just what's good for us or what's good for us in the long run, mm-hmm. that we're willing to put in the time and the effort and the energy to do hard things because it's worth it in the long run. And when we start with ourselves, we really live out that ethic for our kids and inspire them to follow in those footsteps. Mm-hmm. You know, doing hard things, is, uh, there's some video clips from uh, uh, the Harris brothers that we, we play for our kids here on a regular basis. And it's one of the things that our parents really, um, they really don't understand, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, they don't understand why Junior had, uh, you know, air conditioning, water, and electricity, his own smartphone, the, the Nikes, you know, three square meals uh, of uh, you know, all the delicious foods that are out there, and was sullen and depressed and suicidal and, you know, addicted to this or that or the other. And uh, comes to Shepherd's Hill and, and uh, lives in the woods with no running water, no electricity, and they're smiling all the time. And the, the parents are saying this and because their kids are smiling all the time. But they're engaged in things using their hands, feet, and back that help them feel part of something, help, help them feel human again. And the kids will say that right out of their mouths. How can we get more parents to understand this and then to execute things at home that might actually give their kids uh, better feelings about themselves by taking on more responsible acts as opposed to a, a childhood that is uh, one big gluttonous uh, techathon. Yeah, I mean, I think that it starts with parents being willing to model it for their kids. I know at our family dinner, dinner table, the phones go away. We sit down and we talk to each other about what's important. We connect on the things that matter. And we connect on what it means to be a family, who we are as a family, the kind of things that we do together, planning family trips together. But it's the kind of opportunities that create uh, connections. I know our family loves to go camping together, uh, but one of the reasons we love it so much is that it really is a time to disconnect from technology mm-hmm. and to spend time with one another in a in a in your face kind of way. I know my kids love to play chess with my husband, and we we probably play more chess as a family when we're on these camping trips out of town together than we do any other time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a moment where you're growing together intellectually. You're also seeing, you know, how do you feel when you lose? Are you going to be a good sport or bad sport? Uh, but these opportunities, when you have the time and you make the time to really engage with your family members and cultivate that family ethic of who we are and what's important to us, um, that's when you get opportunities to really go to the next level and to be able to help your children pass on a legacy that's going to be one of blessing and not a curse. Amen. That is so important. Nicole, how are you raising your kids to be countercultural? I mean, I hear some of the examples, but let's dig into that a little bit. How are you raising your kids to be countercultural? Sure. Well, you know, first I would say I am a millennial. Um, I'm one of the younger generations now. I've got four school-aged kids. 
And my path to motherhood ended up being, I was very career oriented as I left college, went to Washington, D.C., got involved in uh, policymaking on Capitol Hill. And um, as the Lord called me into marriage, he really transformed my heart about what it means to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And it started by having um, our very first child was born very, very premature mm-hmm. at 27 weeks. We were right at the end of the second trimester. Oh, and hard. when she was born, she weighed one pound and nine ounces. We were in the NICU with her for over four months. And there is something very profound about sitting outside your baby's incubator and holding her head and holding her feet and praying and asking God for the opportunity to get to see her grow up. Today, she is a healthy, thriving 13-year-old girl. And in that moment, as the Lord transformed my heart towards parenthood, I really realized that, you know, the Lord has still called me to, and I am excited to continue to engaging in professional uh, and a professional career and calling, but having a family is a priority and being able to invest not just in my marriage, uh, but also in developing my kids to be able to, um, to be lights in this world, to be little lights for Jesus in a culture that that needs more of Jesus, that that is one of the most important callings of my life. So I would say it kind of started with originally understanding that this path of marriage and parenthood is one that God blesses. And it is His, it's the way, it's His tool. The way that He uh, transforms the world is through people. And so raising, making our families a priority is the first step in living counterculturally. Because the truth is, is if your family is a priority in your home, then your, your entire schedule, your work, everything changes because it's about investing into something that is going to be eternal. Amen. Not just eternal lives, but the lives that they will impact. Amen. Well, you, you, you said the magic word priority, and I think uh, it is a priority uh, when we're uh, in the home engineering our children's, not just our children's, but our entire culture's future. And uh, that's where it starts. Uh, I opened this program with the comment that uh, you know the family is the most fundamental form of government, and that that's, that's where it begins. And you get that wrong, and it's a it's a domino effect from there. But we're coming up against a break. We are. It's break time, and maybe you need to fill up your coffee cup because I think I do. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Nicole Hunt. Nicole works with Focus on the Family. Trace Embry and I will continue our conversation with Nicole right after this break. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at licensedtoparent.org. Your children are teens now. 
They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a one-year residential program for teens in crisis. And today we are helping you, the parent, think through the issues that are facing your family. Our guest is Nicole Hunt with Focus on the Family. And just before the break, Nicole, you were talking about how you are making your family a priority. And one thing you did just a year ago was to move out of traditional suburbia. Can you explain more about that? Why did you do that? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, we were at a point in our family where we really wanted to convey uh, to our children what's worth valuing. My husband and I both came from broken homes, and it was really important to us as Christians that we set a foundation and a different path for mm. our family. Oh, that's good. We wanted them to know that they're a part of something bigger than themselves and that there's responsibility and um, pride that comes with this path of following Jesus and being countercultural in this world. Hmm. And so as we thought about what that would look like for our family, we decided that we would, we were going to move out of suburbia. Um, we were going to buy a 10 acre plot of land outside the city. And we have a barn on our property. We've got six chickens. We hmm. have goats and sheep and guardian livestock dog and Really, as we transitioned to this kind of new lifestyle, um, we embraced it for all that it was. And, and let me tell you some of the most important things. It, it teaches the kids responsibility. It teaches the kids that there so are lives, good. real animal lives that depend on you to show up and open up the chicken coop in the morning and make sure they have water or to make sure that there's enough hay in the stall for the sheep or the goats. And as we taught them about what it means to really be invested and responsible and accountable. Um, I'll tell you what, I saw them rise up to the challenge. Whereas mm. before they, we might not, you know, they might not have been willing to clean their bedroom. They're outside mucking the stalls with us. And we do it together as a family, actually. That's really neat. <laughs> That'll be a couple hour project every couple of weeks, mucking out stalls together. And there is something <laughs> powerful and bonding about that experience. You know, uh, I wish parents could hear that daily because you sound like you got a mini Shepherd's Hill Academy over there. That's a, we, we have a sustainable <laughs> development program here, and that's exactly what our kids do. And they will tell you out of their mouths uh, how we've never felt so human working with our hands, feet, and back. And, you know, one of the things I asked them, you know, uh, right before graduation is, uh, you know, what's one thing Shepherd's Hill can never stop doing? Never stop making us work with our hands. And, mm -hmm. 
you know, they, they feel part of something. They feel like they're contributing to something. We're wired by God to, uh, these are actually needs that we have. Uh, but a, a lot of technology and the, the fast-paced suburban life has, uh, has stolen that uh, from uh, a lot of kids. And a lot of parents think that, uh, you know, uh, childhood should be just one 18-year, you know, uh, uh, carnival uh, for their kids, one big Disneyland experience and, and not making Junior do anything at all. Uh, I do this thing at parent conference here at Shepherd's Hill. I compare and contrast the two kids. Uh, one is one of the Harris brothers giving a speech at 18 years old about, about a book he wrote. And then I throw another one on there where it's this kid, this glassy-eyed kid with a smartphone in his hand, you know, giving answers to his uh, father. Yep, nope, sort of, don't know, nothing. You know, just like glazed over. And it really, it touches a nerve uh, with our parents when they see that. But, um, you know, a lot of parents will say, well, I just don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I, there's just too much going on. But with inflation now in the equation, we're going to have less time and we're going to have less money. Uh, we're going to have less energy. What counsel do you have for parents who need to overcome the, the obstacles of low energy, uh, too little time, uh, very little inclination? Yeah, I mean, I would just confess that I feel those things too. Sure. <laughs> there are times when I'm like, I'm so tired. I mean, I can tell you how, how I feel in those moments is I just remind myself of what really matters, what really matters here. And my husband and I have had this conversation a lot, but I will tell you, as we have planned out our careers and both of us being quite ambitious and, and involved and wanting to make the world a better place. I've talked to him about, about what that means about our careers and the kind of, you know, the, the, how quickly we try to climb ladders. And cause obviously as you climb those ladders, the time demands and the constraints on your work life grow, mm-hmm. uh, you have more responsibility. And he and I have both said to each other, but what matters the most, if we make it to the end of our lives and we got every career ambition that we pursued fulfilled and we have all the fame and notoriety in our professions, but we've lost our children along the way. For me, it will feel like a failure because the one thing that was the most important to do was to invest in my family so that my kids could stand on my shoulders and be able to do even greater things for the kingdom of God in this world. And that's the primary goal. So when I do get to those moments where I'm like, I'm completely zapped, there might be opportunities where maybe that night, instead of, you know, traveling somewhere, doing something that's going to require a lot of energy together as a family, maybe that night we, we have a sit down and we watch a movie together that's a meaningful movie and then talk about what that meant. I know one of the movies that we enjoy watching that has a lot of that extra meaning into it, the C.S. Lewis movies mm-hmm. of the Chronicles of Narnia, but there are others that convey important truths about what it means to be a, a human and what it means to make the world a better place and to follow Jesus. And, and there's lots of martyrs you can read about or stories you can listen to. So I'd say in moments when I'm completely exhausted, there are opportunities to still spend time together with each other um, and to do things. And, and sometimes it, it doesn't even have to be very difficult, like trying to engage in really difficult or very uh, engaging conversation. Maybe it's sitting down and doing a craft with your kiddo, just letting them know that they feel loved if that's their age level. Um, or if not that, maybe it's opportunity to sit down and talk about why journaling is important or whatever it might be that your child is, is interested in, but how doing that can help them process thoughts and feelings and can help them engage in, in their life and, and be somebody who wants to make a difference in the world, be somebody who wants to engage in the world for Christ versus just seek 
um, satisfaction right. and, and happiness, but not real fulfillment yeah. in this life. Nicole, it sounds like you're being very intentional in your parenting. So I guess my mind now goes to you've got a daughter who's 13 years old. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. How are you being intentional in preparing her for the culture that is out there these days? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, On the day-to-day, a lot of that is talking about things that matter. And um, I will say that, you know, as a 13-year-old, obviously there's a lot more things that are on her mind now as she's growing up, relationships, trying to figure out how she can be a good friend to people or even call people out when they do things that are inappropriate, but in a way that's still loving because they're her friends, but she wants to say you shouldn't talk about someone behind their back or things like that. So we do spend a lot of time talking these days about how she can manage relationships in ways that are um, consistent with what she believes to be true based on our Christian faith, um, but also in ways that can maintain friendships or can uh, can be loving, right? And, and I think in today's society, whew, that alone is a very important skill to develop because Amen. our culture says one thing about what love is, right? And yeah. we know as Christians that love is also truth. It's not blinded. It's truth. And so we have to speak truth. It's also truth. sacrificial. It's right. That's right. It's mm-hmm. sacrificial. And we speak truth in love. Right. And in order to do that, we have to practice doing it. It's hard. And it's uncomfortable sometimes, too, to call friends out or, or to decide, I'm not going to affirm a lifestyle that the world says we need to affirm just because I'm afraid of pushback that I might get from my community. Yeah. I need to be able to stand up for truth in a loving way. Um, so that's one thing that's really important for us. Well, Nicole, the clock is winding down here. I, I, I want to ask you just briefly, uh, I mean, we'd agree that, that Americans have bought into a lot of lies. What do you think the most uh, uh, insidious lie is that we've, that we've bought into as parents and as children? Yeah, um, the most destructive and pervasive lie of our time is the lie that personal freedom should be valued above all else. The truth mm-hmm. is, is that every area of personal growth is sweeter when it happens in the context of marriage and parenting because it is achieved together. Just a short backstory. I was working full-time on Capitol Hill and going to law school at night. I got married in my first year of law school, had a baby in my second year of law school, had a baby in my third year of law school, and had a baby in my last year of law school, four years for part-time law school program. And and then I uh, had baby number four, and then I sat for the bar exam and um, was able to be sworn in as an attorney. But I'll tell you what I'll never forget. Um, As I stood there... Next to my side was my husband and our four small children all lined up right next to me. And that only happened because I was able to come together with my husband and we worked to build something. It wasn't easy. It was pretty kind of hard to juggle all those balls at the same time. But what I would have missed out on if I had listened to selfish ambition telling me just do whatever is good for you, nothing that's hard, is I would have missed out on that moment to share that moment with my family together. And it's one of my proudest moments. And justifiably so. God bless you. We are out of time. That's some really good stuff. I wish our time wasn't up. Thank you for joining us today, Nicole. Thank you. Our guest today, Unlicensed Parent, has been Nicole Hunt. To find out more about the work Nicole's doing to equip today's parents, go to focusonthefamily.org. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. 
Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. You can learn more about this ministry to teens and their families at our website, licensedtoparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.